Amateur Hour is the best podcast in the world. Yeah. Amateur Hour is the best podcast in the world. Come on. Uh Uh-huh. This is a show about the Chiefs. The football team that plays in Kansas City. Friendship and fun and stats that you won't believe. AHPKC will begin shortly. Hey, hey. Hey, Dirk. Are you ready? Let's do this thing. Come on, let's go. Let's go. It's football time. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome into Amateur Hour, folks. You got Ryan Scott Hall and my homie, his darkness. Sup? Hey, Dirk. Hey. How about that game, man? What game? The uh, the one that the Chiefs played. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was great. We were we were actually like we were together. We were in the same room. I was a yeah. few human beings away, but we were there. We were both yeah. there. Yeah, I saw you a few times during it. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Good. yeah. Chiefs. I actually kind of just want to call this the home opener because the Chargers let us wear red and everything. <laughs> That's gonna be so demoralizing. But I, I mean, I don't think the Chargers have any fans that really care. I, I mean, probably not. Contrary to what Kyle Posey told us while uh, at the ESP in Kansas City studios on friday i don't think the chargers have very many fans did you see did you see that tweet from roger sherman that was like how many chargers fans can you find in this picture yeah <laughs> yeah that's pretty good it was good. it was fantastic okay so dirk first things first as we're uh using our our Zencaster, i'm gonna have you you you're you're really leaned into the mic I'm too loud. It sounds like no. It's just there's a little. Hey, whatever. We're figuring it out. We're figuring okay. it out. Um. Okay. So, I've been trying to figure out like where to start today, um, and I think I think that this is going to be the best place, if if I may. Um. So on Friday, as many of you know, as we were um, very fortunate to be able to do. Uh, we got to spend two hours over at ESPN Kansas City thanks to the generosity and poor planning of one Joshua Briscoe. Um, we got to interview our good friend, kind of a mentor, if you will, and Nick Wright. And one of the things that Nick said um, that I think really stood out to me just because it was like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I felt like maybe he was going a bit too far, but Nick said that the chiefs can be the best offense in the league by mid season, even if Patrick Mahomes is average. And I guess I go back. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like yesterday was fun. I had a blast, but when I look at, at kind of like the full body of work of yesterday, like, how impressed were you by Mahomes? Do you think it was more than, let's call it, an average performance? Um, I would say more than average, yes. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree that they could be the best offense if he is just average. Like, I don't think any uh, NFL team could be the best in the league with just average quarterback play. Um, so I, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, they could be like top five or, you know, top 10 or something, no problem, but. 
the best, the very best. No, I mean, he'd have to be above average. Uh, on Sunday, I would say he was, I would say he met most of my expectations. Uh, and I, and I didn't, I saw fewer mistakes than I was expecting, to be honest. Like I expected a little bit of sloppiness, uh, you know, and it being his first real game and it just being the first game of the season. And I really didn't see much of that from the offense. I thought they just had their shit together, uh, and looked ready to go. Like I was, it was it was impressive. And I thought Mahomes, I mean, he showed what he could do on, on a few of those throws, just a couple of plays that Alex would have never made last year. I don't think. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, his, his stats were obviously a little inflated by the uh, touchdown trickerations. Um, so, I mean, if you're looking at the stats, I mean, obviously you'd say those are above average, uh, but with the Patty Mahomes play, uh, yeah, I would, I would say satisfied and above average, uh, but could still get much better. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to to like rain on anybody's parade, you know. I guess I just looked at it and it was like he only completed 15 passes. And don't get me wrong, like I mean, even even if you don't count the two touchdowns, going 15 of 27 for 256 and two touchdowns, like no one's complaining, right? I mean, wasn't his yards per attempt like a full yard higher? than anyone else last year. I kept seeing a stat that was like attempted air yards or something. I don't know. Uh, I think I think some people use uh, adjusted yards per attempt, which, fa- which factors in touchdowns uh, and interceptions. Uh, so it kind of makes it, it kind of gives you just a weird number. And that, I think that's what people were probably quoting because he had four touchdowns and zero interceptions. So probably okay. those numbers up. I mean, uh, don't get me, like I, I think that Mahomes was, again, I think probably better than I expected too. Um, like you said, like I, I kind of, did he really like, were there any passes on Sunday that you remember where it was like, Oh, I wish he had that one back. No, I mean, no, I, I, I was trying to think of like what he fucked up on, on Sunday and nothing really jumps out. I mean, there was a bad screen pass in there. I think like where he hit Sammy Watkins low or something. Uh, but I don't. There was no, like, interceptable balls, was I mean, there? they said that there was one that I, – I saw people talking about there's one that maybe popped up after hitting Sammy Watkins, I think. Yeah. Yes. And, the, and that's the one I got caught, right? Uh, yeah. Or am I getting confused with Nebraska here? I, I don't know. I had a lot to drink this weekend. That it was caught by Damian Williams. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean – all right, so, like – I think that like it, it wasn't all good for Mahomes on Sunday, but honestly, like the thing that really stood out to me was that, you know, Mahomes was a baseball player and yet he looks completely incapable of sliding. Um, <laughs> I know that I know that I think mostly he was a pitcher, and so maybe he never had to practice that. And pitchers are just like a different breed, but like. That guy looks like it's just like it's something that just doesn't compute in his mind. And the multiple times that he was in a position where he should have gone down and slid, especially after you would think maybe, maybe that like came up in conversation or in practice while watching Alex Smith, who I always thought was really good at it, the timing and everything. Like Mahomes just looks like something isn't computing for him. It's, he's like, ah! 
and it's just like I'm watching it like dude he turned his throwing shoulder into one of the defenders at one point like yeah. lowering his throwing shoulder and kind of like turning his back and I'm just like okay Pat like this is where he looks I guess not quite ready I mean <laughs> I'm, I'm picking nits here but yeah though I mean the worst thing he did on Sunday was was slide uh, I do have kind of a problem with how many times we just seem to run them like into the middle of the field where it was just like defenders are head hunting all over the place. It felt like I winced like between six and eight times with him running the ball. And it's just like, guys, this is our, uh, this is our future right here. Maybe, maybe don't put him in these situations where he's, where he's running into traffic nonstop. Maybe just try something else. Well, I mean, didn't, I feel like it was you that when you were looking at some of uh, like the, the college highlights of Mahomes that you were saying he almost seemed like a power runner. Yep. So, I mean, maybe it just is going to take some time and he's got to get that, you know, taken out of, of his game, that that's just still kind of ingrained in him. That's his mentality. But, like, he didn't even look confident when when he was, like, doing the alternative of sliding. It was just like, I don't know what to do with my body, and so – this is the, the results were mixed. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it might take him getting popped once or twice to, uh, you know, get that lesson ingrained in his head. And, and even that, like if he does get popped once or twice, those guys are going to get penalized and potentially kicked from the game. So it is sort of a win-win where it's like, Hey, Mahomes learned something, but also like screw that guy. And he's now <laughs> in the room. Uh, one of the things that I, I really wanted to get to on Mahomes today was, um, okay, so what's what's with this new rule that you can't draw guys off sides and get a free play? I mean, are you asking me? I honestly don't know. I think I, I think that rule must have passed when I was not paying attention to, to life, and uh, I, I don't understand. Like, I, is, is offsides going to be a dead ball penalty from now on is, is the idea? That – I mean, I, that's my interpretation of what happened on Sunday because I thought Sunday was kind of the textbook, like, get guys to jump off sides, but then they stop their own momentum and you snap it. So technically, like, yeah, they did get a head start, but, like, neither of the guys that jumped off were unevaded to the quarterback, which is what they normally, like, when they blow the play dead. I mean, I thought, and and you saw Mahomes' reaction. Like he was pissed on that because so he he got two offsides calls, but the second one was the one where I mean he like jumped up and down and was kind of like, mm-hmm. come on, like I did that on purpose, and like I love seeing that mentality from him because like I don't think you would have seen that from Alex. That was definitely a like hand the ball to the ref moment if you're Alex Smith, but like I mean you could tell he wanted that opportunity. And, like, if this is just across the board, I don't know what the statute of limitations is. If if that was just the ref's interpretation of unevaded to the quarterback, maybe. But if it is just, like, dead ball every time, honestly, that really sucks. It pulls something out of his game that I think we were all really excited to see what he could do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it seems like something that, that came natural to him, too. Like, it's just something that's been ingrained in him just he just wants big plays and he knows that's that's one of the ways to get him probably just growing up watching Aaron Rodgers I think kind of the one that's made that famous uh I don't know I I don't understand the rule I was surprised to see it all over in week one and I I don't know I'll try to understand it but I don't know right now 
Well, you're the one that normally has ref stats. So I figured that you might you might have the the rule book right in front of you there. Gene Steratore retired, and I I took it really hard. No, oh, yeah, really hard. Was there was there any big takeaways f- about Mahomes or just kind of surrounding the quarterback? Since I guess that's where we're starting today, that you wanted to to fire off out there. No, I mean pretty much just, I mean. We, we spent this whole preseason, you know, arguing about the defense. And I think you and I were kind of on the same page, and that's why we started there uh, with our show on Friday. Like, look, f- fuck this. It doesn't – nobody – who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. We're about to watch Patrick Mahomes. And then Sunday happened, and it was just like, yeah, the defense is out there, and they had some struggles, but they had some bright spots. But, you know, who cares? Because Patrick Mahomes is out there. That's That's what this is about. And that's that's what Sunday was about. That's what the season's about. And I thought he was just just fantastic. And it was a great start to his era. Uh, and I that's that was the biggest takeaway for me. It's just like it's it's Mahomes' time. So, I, I mean, I saw a lot of numbers coming out about you know how the defense gave up yards and when they gave up yards and whatnot. But I mean. To me, like I didn't even have to look at the stats to know that you know we 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 were up by three scores entering the fourth quarter, and so I I mean you know how conservative that even Andy gets on offense, um, you know let alone the way that we've played defense over the last few years, and I just kind of expected that we were going to end up you know seeing the Chargers be able to kind of command the fourth quarter. We were pretty much just giving it to them. Um, which led to what I thought was awesome uh, from Friday's show, you saying, I can totally see a scenario where Phillip Rivers throws for 400 yards because we were worried about being able to cover their wide receivers that are so much bigger than our corners. And, of course, new Chiefs Oracle, Ryan Scott Hall. I get to get the dynamite drop in in a loss. <laughs> and Phillip Rivers threw for, what, 4 425? And lost. Uh, something like that. You sure are drinking your own Kool-Aid over there. I am. I'm feeling really good to start this year. Yeah. I'm, and I'm letting, I'm banging that drum and letting everybody know about it. <laughs> uh, I gotcha. Well, I had some stats on that. Uh, through the first 51 minutes, which was basically uh, before we went up three scores. Uh, so it was at 942 when it went up 18 points. Uh, Rivers had 271 yards passing through the first 51 minutes. So while it was still a game, 271 through the air, which is a lot. And it's even worse when you factor in, you know, the, the dropped passes from, from deep. Uh, and then he, he tacked on 153 passing yards through the final 942. And those those are mostly garbage, you know. And, and the funnest stat out of that is in the game, the Chargers running backs had 189 yards receiving between Eckler and Gordon. <sighs> So you brought up uh, Eckler, and I I don't like who is this guy? I mean, I I Wikipedia'd him, and he played at some college that I have never heard of, and he was an undrafted free agent, and like at the college that I've never heard of, probably playing in a conference and a division that I have never heard of. He played at Western State. Is that presumably in one of the Western states of the United States? Western state. I think that's a like the school from Blue Chips, isn't it? <laughs> I think 
they all play at Western State or something. Huh? Maybe. I don't know. Well, I mean, the kid had like the the numbers you would expect playing at Western State. I mean, he averaged it looks like basically fifteen touchdowns a year over his four year college career. But like to see Austin Eckler out there, basically like every time that he did something, which I mean, significant, the guy averaged eight yards a carry. He only had five carries, but still five carries for 39 yards. And then he had, I think he had over a hundred receiving. I don't know. My computer is not. We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. If you're hearing this amateur hour is experiencing technical difficulties. Please stay tuned for your regularly scheduled programming. All right, and we're back. Uh, we may have had some technical difficulties there. Not sure how this will turn out, but I did look up the Blue Chips University, and it is Western, the Western University Dolphins is the college in Blue Chips. But not, so I think that's where Austin Eckler went. Not Western State, but Western. No, they must be big rivals. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I actually... That's, that's a great point. It's a great point. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, those receiving yards, what do we got? 189 yards receiving from the Chargers running backs. Uh, part of that is concerning. I mean, I'd say 90 of those were just nonsensical throws, 12-yard throws over the middle at the end of the game. And it didn't, didn't care about that at all. But I do think we might have a bit of a weakness with getting – uh, running backs matched up one-on-one with uh, either of our inside linebackers. I just don't think either of them are uh, quick enough to keep up with with running backs in today's game. I mean, all right. So I think you're a little bit of a Hitchens hater. Um, and and I know that it's, it's just like week one and we didn't really get to see anything in preseason. Um, before, before we like go down that path, why don't, why don't you – at least like comment on how you thought he specifically played yesterday. Like, did you think that he had a good game or? Um, I thought he showed what he's good at. Uh, I think he's going to be pretty good in the running game. Uh, he, he blew up a couple of those screens. So he, he has great recognition when it comes to that. I mean, one of the plays was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I uh, was, was excited to see that. Uh, but I, I mean, my problems with him is, is paying a guy that much money who you're not, convinced is is a plus player in the passing game uh in today's nfl and no i I still have concerns about that so i thought he played okay and you know you want someone who's that good against the run i just would prefer not to be paying them that much money yeah i mean i saying like listen it was all over the place he had 15 tackles and i I remember the two splash plays but that's about it i don't remember aside from that and like you, it seems like when you have talked about Hitchens that it always comes back to the contract. And um, he got guaranteed $25 million over five years. Um, and then it, it says that it's a five-year, $45 million deal. I don't, I don't know how this works. Even looking at all the numbers in front of me, I'm still not like entirely sure how it works. But I guess... I'm, I try as best I can to like take the contract out of it and just right now while I'm evaluating the guy's play, not worry about what we're paying him and just kind of see what we have. Um, but I mean, I can I can see where it's difficult to try to separate that. 
Um, if that's the frame that you're looking at it from, then, I mean, it may just be a, a tough time the entire time that he's here because you're always going to think that he's overpaid. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll eventually get over that. It's probably It probably is just because it's so close to the offseason. Right. And uh, I, I, I don't know, a lot of those feelings just came uh, bubbling up for me in the preseason, so it is closer to that. I mean, I always had this problem with Alex Smith. You know, I always said that, uh, I hated Alex Smith in the off season, but during the season, I always I always liked cheering for Alex Smith. Uh, and it was kind of different players because you're not looking at the contract and you're looking at the player. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I could see the Hitchens. I mean, if he plays like that all season, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be mad at it. I might not be happy with the contract, um, but you know I'll get over it. If if he's gonna at least provide some value and stopping the run is is some value and being sort of a uh, a bit of an enforcer there, because I mean, a few of those hits were were monster hits. Uh, if that's what he's going to bring to the table, I, I am fine. I, I won't complain about that. But I, I'm yeah, not not thrilled. I think that like okay, so why don't, why don't we talk about the guys on defense that I think like have been pretty polarizing. Um, I mean, I know that it, it might take a little while for. Uh, <laughs> I, might take a little while to get to all those guys. You know what I'm saying I think it might it might take a little while, uh, you know, for you to to be able to just kind of appreciate what Hitchens does. But honestly, I think it's going to take us a while to even know exactly what that is, because even if he had 15 tackles yesterday, like I I have no idea what that guy's capable of because I I don't think that he's in football shape right now. Um, after basically missing the entire preseason, I I don't think that he's you know 100 percent yet. But the, the two guys that I think are kind of at the top of my list, um, both of them had really good games yesterday, at least, I, I mean, in my opinion. Um, D Ford really bought himself some time, at least like in, in my doghouse. You know, I asked you very quickly at the end of the show on Friday, like what would it take for D Ford to get a contract extension from the Chiefs? And you said 10 sacks. And... I no no I said with Justin Houston I said ten sacks with D Ford I said no oh okay okay and that's fair <laughs> um I guess like when I when I think about like the different ways that I saw D Ford having an impact on the game and I'm not saying that he did this you know consistently throughout the game the way that we've seen guys like Justin Houston do it like for an entire game. But just seeing the range of plays that D Ford made and like kind of being from multiple positions too, honestly, like the idea of him suddenly becoming a formidable football player and then thinking about like the potential contract numbers that could be involved in that, like it's equal parts exciting, but also disturbing. Like that, that run stop that he had, like I think we all like like kind of had to stop for a moment and be like, would D Ford did that? Like he set the edge and then threw his blocker and made the tackle. And I haven't seen D Ford do that. This is, this is the game one of season five. That's the first time I've seen that happen. Yeah. I mean, I thought he did that a couple of times, really. I thought he, uh, I mean, with D Ford, I mean, we've seen him be a really good pass rusher before. I mean, he led the NFL in sacks at around the week 10 week 11 uh, part of the season so we've seen him get after the quarterback before uh, what we haven't seen is him play good run defense and that you know without 
you know, looking back too too hard at all, that might have been his best game at stopping the run. Like I thought, D Ford was the biggest surprise to me uh, from that game. Pretty much everybody else played, you know, around how I expected, but D Ford uh, was the one that was just a huge surprise. And and really, if he can play like that, he totally changes the uh, the possibilities of this defense. Just throwing another pass rusher out there because I mean, Justin Houston. Uh, I think we all agreed that he, you know, he's solid. Uh, he's probably better against the run than the pass at this at this point. Uh, but he can't do it by himself. I mean, I think we proved that last year. If it's if it's just Justin Houston and that's that's your only guy that you're trying to get after the quarterback with, it's not going to be enough. Uh, so you need that guy on the other side, and D Ford providing that would be a serious game changer in how we look at this defense. And to me, like completely unexpected. I mean, even even after hearing Therese say things like the contract year is undefeated and D Ford is going to play well and so on and so forth, I was still just like, yeah, right. I mean, I I look at, you know, you said D Ford was leading the league in sacks entering, you know, basically the latter stages of that season. And it's true. But I also think, and and I don't know if this is discrediting him or what, like, but I, at least as far as Chiefs fans are concerned, we all know that D. Ford was racking up three sacks in a game against a third string right tackle, and and that like, don't get me wrong, I will take that. I am more than happy to take that. But like, he never had what I considered to be like, wow, that was a really impressive performance today. If you look at every factor going into it and honestly like I think the game that he played on Sunday that's why I say like making such a wide range of plays and I mean didn't wasn't the sack that he got he was playing inside yeah he's lined up over the over the guard yeah like playing inside of Chris Jones and Chris Jones kicked out basically as the edge rusher I mean like that to me D Ford has only he's the only thing that he's ever been able to do effectively is get off the snap faster than most guys and then try to run around the tackle and not even really show bend like just try to get to a a space on the field quicker than the guy that's trying to block him can and I just I thought D Ford had the best game of his career on Sunday I really do uh I mean I wouldn't fight you on that and and we even saw him a few times get around that corner just off the snap and I mean Let's, let's not hate on that skill. I mean, just having that one skill alone, you know, makes you an NFL-worthy player just because it's so important because it'll just lead to, you know, a handful of just quick sacks throughout the year. Um, but, I mean, he kind of almost did the same thing at, against the guard, too. He just beat him around the edge. It was just happened to be a guard instead of a tackle, it's, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't fight you on, on best game of D Ford's career. I was kind of surprised at how little uh, Tano Passanio played. Uh, only, I think, ten snaps was the uh, was the total. I remember saying at some point in the third quarter, I was just like, I don't, I don't remember seeing Passanio a single time out here. Uh, and I think most of those ten snaps came in the fourth quarter in, in garbage time. I was surprised to see uh, Speaks get the playing time over Passanio because I thought Passanio showed more in the preseason. Honestly, I think it, it, just in terms of like who saw the field that really surprised me, it was the 38 snaps or 37 snaps from uh, the the linebacker, Terrence Smith. Like, why? What is he doing out there? I mean, honestly, I, I think wasn't going to make the Reggie. 
I, I, I don't think Reggie Ragland is a good player right now. Okay. Uh, he, he seems, I don't know if he's out of shape or yeah. just slow or what, but I mean, Reggie Ragland, um, not looking great. I think he's probably not 100% yet. And I mean, this is, this is exactly what I was talking about. Um, you know, when, when we were thinking about what the team is going to look like, I was trying to tell everybody, like, the defense is going to start slow, and it's not just because of all the new pieces trying to figure out how to play together. It's because Anthony Hitchens and Reggie Ragland have not played for the entirety of the preseason. Both of them being hurt is a big deal because they're not in shape. And it seems like the way that Veach wanted to build this team, um, I mean, Eric Berry having the injury and Daniel Sorensen having the injury is obviously troublesome, but it seemed like he really wanted to build the team through the middle of the field before he got out to the edges. And I say that at least about the corners. Um, I mean, drafting Derek Nottie over the last two seasons, trading for Reggie Ragland and signing Anthony Hitchens, and then ultimately drafting Armani Watts in the fourth round and having Dorian O'Daniel be a top 100 pick all these guys play in the middle of the field, right? Like, and to have the two, I think, kind of centerpieces of that in those two inside linebackers, basically either not be at 100% or certainly not be in football shape. I just don't think that the team is really going to look the way that they can until really late in the season, but I don't even think they're going to be 100% athletically until probably like week six or seven. Those guys just missed. They missed like, you know, a month or more of work. Um, the Raglan thing, like how concerned should we be about Reggie Raglan that he got on an airplane and his knee puffed up and then he didn't play for four weeks in training camp? I mean, I'm not that concerned because we don't, it's not like we have a ton of money tied up in him or anything. Uh, <laughs> we traded a low pick to get him. So, you know, if he doesn't work out, we can easily cut ties. Uh, I am worried about him as a player this year. Uh, I mean, obviously getting on a plane and I don't really understand that uh, scientifically. Uh, He's going to do the Kornheiser where he won't take a plane and we have to get a bus specifically for Tony Kornheiser, not not for Tony Kornheiser, but specifically for Reggie Ragland, just so his his body parts don't don't blimp up. Oh, man. Can I sign up to uh, drive that bus? Love. I it. think that'd be, that'd be great. Is it because, like... I'm trying to figure out like what, what it could be. I know that people will say, duh, dude, it's the change in altitude. But like, did you ever, like, did you ever consider that maybe he gets on the plane and he's just eating a lot and it goes straight to his knees? I don't know if that's a condition. <laughs> I know when I get on the plane, my butt swells up. I got a big old butt. Oh, mm, okay. That must make it uncomfortable since you're probably always flying commercial. <laughs> Yeah, I'm flying on spirit most of the time, so my butt's just hanging on the person next to me. Well, after D Ford had this great game, did you go get your Big Macs today? Big Macs for sacks? Nah, I wasn't that hungover. I <laughs> I think you were probably more hungover on Sunday than you were today, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> um, so the the other like polarizing guy on defense for whatever reason is my man, Captain Ron Parker. Um, I, I tried to go out and, and find some Captain Ron clips that I could use for audio today, uh -huh. um, but, but um, I didn't try that hard and I didn't get there. So, yeah, it turns out that movie's not that great and there's not that many quotes. <laughs> well, listen, 
anything anything that has Kurt Russell in it is fantastic. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> Kurt Russell is a saint and he's an American treasure. As is Captain Ron Parker. So I saw a quote that BJ shared um, from D Ford, and he said it was really good to have Ron back out there. It felt like something was missing without him. Um, and and I'm sure that they'll say the exact same thing, if not like like way more profusely when and if Eric Berry hits the field again. But this is something to me that I think is really important, especially when you're dealing with as much turnover as they've had. Like Ron Parker on that defense right now, like it's, it's him in Houston, you know, but like th- those are, those are the veterans. And I don't know if either one of them are particularly talkative, but to have a veteran in the secondary, like they really needed Ron Parker. And I thought he had a fantastic game. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I could see there, there were some, some of the negatives. I mean, he, uh, whew. Damn, sorry. I thought I had to sneeze. Uh, I mean, he, he let someone buy him uh, playing deep, and he dropped it, I guess. Uh, but his interception was a fantastic play. Uh, then he almost came up with another one. Uh, I think Ron Parker's – I'm all down for Ron. I'm down with Ron. I just – like, all right. I hate that I've got people that are saying, like, oh, well, he couldn't have had a good game because – he allowed people to get by him. And just because they dropped the ball doesn't mean that he didn't play it poorly, but it's like guys drop the ball, right? Like this happens. And to me, I don't, I don't want to, it seems like what happens is that like when people are watching film, the film can tell you a completely different story than like what happened in the game. And I watched the game and I saw what happened and like, nothing no mistake that ron parker made was anything of consequence like the results for ron parker for me were were he had a good day and i'm just gonna stick with my own results <laughs> but, but i mean like i guess i just i see like oh well i'm i'm gonna wait for the all 22 and i'm like all 20 boo i don't care ron parker had a good game all 20 boo. Yep, that's how I feel. Not <laughs> feeling. Fantastic. Yep. So one of the one of the things that I think is is going to be like a storyline throughout the season um much like I guess your feelings on Anthony Hitchens um it seems like a lot of people when they've talked to me or ask me questions on Twitter about Sammy Watkins. I'm on Twitter at Ryan Scott Hall, by the way. You guys should, uh, you know, you know, follow and rate and review my my Twitter feed. Wow, good shout out. Yep, it was great. Um, people, whenever I've been interacting with people as far as Sammy Watkins is concerned, I've pretty much said like I think that at the end of the season, people are going to look back and be like, okay, that like I don't have any complaints about what Sammy Watkins did on the field. But then when you start talking about the contract, I've basically just resigned myself to the fact that I don't think anyone is going to be happy with the amount of money that we gave him. And I don't know if that's because Sammy Watkins got vastly overpaid or because 
you're looking at these inflated contract numbers for the position because I don't think Sammy Watkins got a whole lot more than some of the other receivers that signed this offseason. I mean, didn't Dante Moncrief, who has like a, a you know a, a very big piece of my heart, to be honest, coming out of that draft class, I loved him so much, but I think Moncrief had like 50 career catches and got like 15 or $20 million guaranteed from Jacksonville. Like, uh, well, I don't want to sit here and justify uh, our receivers' shitty contracts because of other teams' shitty contracts that they gave out. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, we sit here and do that, and then we'll be like, "Oh, but Tyreek doesn't make any money, so it's cool because it's just like we're paying each of them eight million dollars this year." Like, no, I mean, that's not really how it is. Not really how it is at all. That was that was kind of my initial take. Was like, honestly, we're still have like the lowest paid wide receiver core in the NFL, even if Sammy Watkins is making you know twenty million dollars this year. Well, what to do? We're playing we're paying Chris Conley two point oh sixteen million dollars a year now. Ooh, okay. <laughs> well, so what I think what I think is going to be a theme throughout the year is that people are gonna you know basically like every week people are gonna be evaluating what Sammy Watkins did or did not do. So I thought that maybe we should start Sammy Watchkins. <laughs> so each week we'll do Sammy Watchkins. And um, this week on Sammy Watch, what I noticed on Kins. Sunday, <laughs> what I noticed was body language. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not going to claim to be what I think is Bill Simmons's body language expert. Yep. Um, but like, does Sammy Watkins not look totally disinterested? No, he, he does. <laughs> Show me you care I, just a little bit, Sammy. I'm 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 not even like I know that like yes I'm sort of joking because we're doing Sammy Watchkins, but. I, I'm 100% serious when I say his body language is like really poor. And I don't know if that means that he misses Los Angeles because he's living in Kansas City or if like, you know, we talked about all the excuses, like maybe Sammy is just too woke. Maybe he's satisfied because he got all this money. I don't know. But like when I when I was keying in on Watkins I never really saw him like this sounds so stupid, I, I'm, but like I never saw him like hustling to get on or off the field or to get back to the huddle. Like he just he just looked really lackadaisical. It looked like he just didn't care at all. And I don't know if there's something that's going on with him because I've never watched him that closely to know that like maybe that's how he's always carried himself. And he is just kind of a different dude. But it was really noticeable to me on Sunday that he just looked like he was not into the game at all. Yeah, I mean, it's not just Sunday, I don't think. I mean, I think it was the preseason, too. It just seemed like he was kind of maybe jogging some routes, not really interested in, you know, diving for a pass. Like, I I, I totally agree with you. I'm not convinced that Sammy Hawkins either wants to be here or wants to be playing football. Uh, I don't know what the deal is, uh, but it is... I mean, it's very, very concerning. And I think we're just going to be at a point where we're just, people are making excuses for Sammy Watkins. 
uh, kind of every week. And, and then like this week, it'll be like, yeah, but he had that one catch and it was a great catch. I'll give him that. But I mean, people will be pointing at that and it's just like, well, yeah, but he, held, he had 20 yards receiving. And I think he's just going to be putting up these uh, weak stat lines and then he'll have a few games where he explodes and then people will run their mouths about how, how they told you so that Sammy Watkins is worth it. And then he'll be back down to, you know, three catches for 41 yards the next week. I mean, I do like. I don't. I, I. I don't know how far back you have to go, and maybe it's not that far at all because I'm pretty sure that both Marvin Jones and Golden Tate had like really good years last year. But in order to have like a truly balanced offense, like we know that not all four of the major weapons on this team are going to end up like going over a thousand yards, right? I mean. There's, there, I don't see a scenario in which Kareem Hunt has a thousand yards rushing, and then Watkins Hill and Kelsey all go over a thousand yards receiving. Right? I mean, maybe. Uh, yeah, I would say that's happened very few times in in NFL history to have four, you know, skill position players go over a thousand yards. I'm just like, I think that, I think that the Chiefs may have it's it is as early as can possibly be almost but I think that the Chiefs may have paid Sammy Watkins 25 million guaranteed dollars to make sure that Tyreek Hill can't be double teamed like the it's it's the reputation of Sammy Watkins that they paid for because if you think that he's Chris Conley 2.0 and like Chris Conley could just be playing over there, people wouldn't be paying attention to him. But because it says Watkins on the back of the jersey, people are paying attention. Teams are going to think like, well, we can't forget about him, but we can forget about Chris Conley. Mm-hmm. I mean, Does that make sense? Like, I'm not saying it makes sense financially, but like, I, I do think that like there's, there's cachet with having Sammy Watkins on your team. Like, I mean, at the, I think at the time, like, were you, were, have you always been disappointed with what they gave him? Or is it just like from what you've seen since he got here, you're like, good Lord, we overpaid. Uh, no, I I didn't like it from the beginning. It doesn't it didn't make it like I was I was excited because I was like, oh my god, look at all the speed we got. And then no, just looking at the numbers is is not. I was never happy from the from the get go of signing him. But I, I guess I, it, I, I see your point. I mean, it's kind of almost how the Rams used him last year. I mean, he was on the field like the whole time, and yet Robert Woods was the one that was that was eaten most of the time. So I, yeah. he was like the uh, the decoy yeah. most of last year, but. <laughs> Man, does he – he has quite a reputation, doesn't he? I mean, and that's the thing is like, you know, you say look at all this speed, and people have talked about Sammy Watkins' speed so much. Yeah, where is it? But, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at is like I'll, I'll believe that Sammy Watkins is, you know, one of the ten fastest guys in the NFL. Like when I see him, you know, get separation down the field from somebody – I mean, what Tyreek Hill does, like, in tight spaces, um, that's not something that I ever really expected from Sammy Watkins. But, like, I don't even see the long speed. Now, he's only been on the field with Patrick Mahomes on camera, like, three times, you know, so and, – and all the other Sammy Watkins excuses that we've rattled off, but – 
I just like what Sammy Watkins has been advertised as versus what Sammy Watkins has been in Kansas City so far are like very, very far apart. But so but what Sammy Watkins has been in the NFL and what he's been with the Chiefs are pretty spot on. Do you think so? Aren't they? I mean, we I haven't seen the big games yet, but that's kind of been the story of his career. He has big games, and then he has games where, you know, three passes for, for 21 yards. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's right. I I thought that, like, he was, you know, a pretty quality player as a rookie, and then I think he had a good second year, and then it was hurt, and then traded because he got hurt. And then, you know, first year and not like it's always I mean, when it comes to players, especially like if they're on your team, like you always want to make excuses for them. Like I can look at Sammy Watkins and and look at all of the different, um, you know, periphery around, you know, why he even ended up being a free agent in the first place and why his numbers are the way that they are or whatever. And like I can make a really compelling case that Sammy Watkins is still got all of his best football in front of him. But. I just I don't know I don't know he's a that's what I hear really curious case man I I will say maybe, maybe the solution is just that he's not that good and, and it's very like completely inside the realm of possibility that that's the case but ultimately the the thing that I think is is so advantageous for the Chiefs is that it doesn't matter like if Sammy Watkins only puts up the you know, basically third best receiving numbers on the team because they're so good with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Like, we don't need Sammy Watkins to earn every penny of his contract for the offense to be good, right? No, uh, no, where where it would hurt you, I mean, is if, you know, you could spend that money elsewhere. You know, you could spend that money on a shutdown corner uh, that you that you kind of sorely need. Uh, but okay. no, it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt the offense. No, I mean it's not him being out there. He's not a, he's not a negative. I mean it's kind of hard to be as a as a receiver, really. Um, right. But but yeah, well, I mean what you lose out on is is spending that money elsewhere. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting was that the Chiefs somehow ended up with a a fifty fifty run to pass ratio on Sunday. Mahomes had 27 attempts and we had 27 carries or 27 rushing attempts. Mahomes had 27 rushing attempts? No, Mahomes had 27 attempts and then as a team they had 27 rushing attempts. Oh, it seemed like 27 for him. Oh, did it really? The way with him running the ball? Yeah, he was running the ball way too much. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. I feel like he's so All right. I I don't know if I care if Mahomes is in the pocket or not. I saw someone talking about, and I can't remember who it is, so please forgive me, but someone was talking about Mahomes needs to be careful about always rolling out to the right because defenses are going to clue in on that. But, like, what right-handed quarterback purposefully is, is rolling out to the left in order to like catch a defense off guard. Uh, I mean, I don't know, but I remember two specific plays with him rolling left and, and throwing the ball. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I disagree with your unnamed, unnamed sources. Okay. Well, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, uh, incomplete. I, I got a question for you, yeah, please. 
someone someone sent me a tweet, and I have no idea if they're being serious or you know being tongue in cheek. <laughs> but I took it as serious, and I took it maybe not how they meant it. But he was like, "Who would you rather have right now, Mahomes or Rogers?" And you know, you think that's kind of a joke, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's, that's that's funny because Rogers is the best quarterback, whatever." But when you think about it, maybe he meant you know with age as a factor, and seeing everything that we've seen right now. Is there a single quarterback in the league that you trade Patrick Mahomes for? Age being a factor. So, I mean, you can trade for Brady, but you're getting, you know, I guess Brady might play till he's 60. That's, that's possible. Uh, but, yeah, Rodgers is 35 at this point. I mean, most of the elite quarterbacks are up there in their 30s. And then most of the young guys haven't shown as much to me as, as Mahomes. Like, he might be the number one quarterback asset in the league right now. Um, all right. So a little context, I'm going to say yes. And I have like zero hesitation in saying yes, but I do want to, to remind everyone that at one time Carrington had put out a poll asking if you would trade Marcus Cooper for Tony Gonzalez because the, the offense was like missing a piece or something. And we were saying, and every, it was like a hundred percent. No. Like, everyone was like Marcus Cooper, you know, or maybe, like, would you trade Marcus Cooper for a first-round pick or something? Like, and, and it was so lopsided because we were in the middle of, like, just that that insanity. It was Cooper time. Um, Mahomes and Marcus Cooper are two completely different things because Marcus Cooper, I think, <laughs> either a seventh-rounder or undrafted. Um, but, like, you can, you can get caught up in your emotions in the middle of a guy playing really well. And we're coming off Mahomes's first real game in a chief's uniform where there's like, no one can say anything about whether or not it counts. And I mean, to me, like, I don't even have to like take age into account. Maybe it's just because I don't know how to not take age into account. I just look at it and I say, I can't, even if you like tried to cover everyone's age on the sheet, I still just know that Pat Mahomes is younger than most of these other guys. But like, I mean, like who is, who is in the discussion? Because you could say Aaron Rodgers, but I'm going to say, well, I know that he sat for three years and I know how talented the guy is. And, like, can you imagine what a veteran like Aaron Rodgers would do with the weapons on this offense and having a coach like Andy Reid instead of Mike McCarthy? And, yeah, that's exciting. But, like, I don't know. I guess I just – I hearken back to the way that I talked about Mahomes on Friday and say, like, we're entering a 15- to 20-year window, man. And, like, I'll, I'll buy the time – more than the right now, I think every single time when it comes to a quarterback, especially given what we've seen. Wait, so you're, you're saying you would take Mahomes over every single quarterback? Is that, is yeah. that your, what you're saying? Yeah. And I don't have no okay. hesitation in it. Like, I don't, some of that is just like I'm attached to him now. Like, even his stupid voice, I'm, I, it's growing on me. Like, I just, that's my quarterback. Like, he's mine and I'm not giving him up. Yep. Well, I think in the discussion, I think Carson Wentz would be up there because he's, you know, can match him in terms of youth. Uh, Russell Wilson's still still probably pretty young. I think 
some people would still probably say Rodgers, even though he's 35, they just take the five years with Rodgers. But, I mean, who else? I mean, Deshaun Watson, I, I don't think people would say that right now just because he had a bad week one, but I think he's the uh, most apt comparison. Mariota, I mean, these other guys, all the other young guns, like, I, I just, I'm Dak Prescott. Give me my homes over him. Give me my homes over every single one. Dirk, the only reason that... Marcus Mariota and Patrick Mahomes should be mentioned in the same sentence is because of, you know, alphabetically in the the quarterback fraternity. Um, I I don't care that Mariota won a playoff game inside of my stadium last year. That guy has nowhere near the amount of talent that Patrick Mahomes does. And like on Mariota's best NFL day, I don't think that he showed what Mahomes did yesterday. And we started this show by me asking if it was an average performance. <laughs> How insane is that? I think we're sitting on the number one quarterback asset in the NFL. That's that's insane. I mean, isn't that insane. this is to be honest, this is what we expected, right? Like I, I mean, yeah, after the hype, I guess, yeah. The expectation was the Chiefs trade up to 10. They get this insanely talented quarterback. They have Andy Reid, and everybody knew that, like, the situation was going to be fairly posh because you already had, you know, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey at that point. We didn't really know what Tyreek was going to do last year. And it looks like, I mean, to me, I, I think, Tyreek Hill is going to put up beyond video game numbers. Like I, his, his stats this year are going to be absolutely bloated. Um, but I just, especially now, like knowing Patrick Mahomes got to sit for an entire year learning from Andy Reed and, you know, another now current head coach in Matt Nagy um, and a guy in Alex Smith that is just so widely respected and then the Chiefs did go out and sign Sammy Watkins, regardless of all the negative things that we've said about him. Like, it's it's very, very common knowledge at this point that he's stepping into a really unique, almost unprecedented situation. And then you look at all of the natural gifts that the guy has. Like, I think that everyone was expecting that – Mahomes was going to be, at the very least, like one of the top quarterback assets in the NFL. You know, maybe not like immediately thinking I wouldn't trade him for Aaron Rodgers, but I'm sure that like people in 31 NFL cities might laugh at that notion. Yeah, I think they might. I think they might. But I mean, a lot of the national media wouldn't, as we can tell at this point. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, there's I, I think there were a lot of, of articles written in other cities or like on websites that are trying to cover the NFL that they, you know, on their deadline last night were writing about Patrick Mahomes. This sounds like a good time for a Patty Mahomes deep dive. Uh, I don't have the uh, sound of it. Here, hang on, hang on. Yeah, deep dive. Is that is this my deep dive or yours? Because I've got a Mahomes deep dive. I got a Mahomes deep dive. Let's do them both. Let's double deep dive. Let's both do them at the same time. We'll just talk over each other. That's going to be really. Well, I'm confusing. sure the podcast will end up like that anyways. So, take a deep dive. All right, so I'm starting here. Um, I'm comparing Patty Mahomes to Alex Smith's career with the Chiefs. 
So, okay. Patty Mahomes, 9.5 yards per attempt yesterday. Um, Alex Smith starts 81 games at quarterback for the Chiefs. 81 games of Alex Smith. He went over 9.5 yards per attempt 10 times. Uh, so, he matched what Patty oh. Mahomes did 10 times in his Chiefs career. Oddly enough, five of those came against Oakland. So I think he kind of quietly owned Oakland. I didn't necessarily realize. I mean, I, I know a couple games, obviously, but had some really good games against Oakland. And in fairness, I would think that at least like that four touchdown Jamal Charles game, I mean, that's a two-yard pass that Alex got a 40-something yards on an attempt, yep. right? Yep, that was one of them. And yeah. that's they're not using that adjusted yards per attempt you were talking about. Is that right? Cause it's, it's basically like where they throw the ball, not what the result of the play is. Um, no, that's not right, but don't worry. You'll get it someday. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so Mahomes actually ha- are, also had the uh, four passing touchdowns yesterday. Uh, obviously that was a little inflated by the little, the little cute plays, by the way, the love affair with the Andy Reed cutesy plays at the goal line when they work. My goodness, it's off the charts. And when they don't work, man, does he take some grief. Like, I've never, I've never seen such a wild swing of emotions between these, you know, these little reverses. And if, you know, if there's just one defensive lineman that blows it up, it looks like a total disaster. Uh, but, you know, no, never mind that. Uh, so Alex Smith threw four touchdowns with the Chiefs only three times. Uh, you had the Raiders blowout, which he threw five. You had the Patriots season opener last year. And then the 2017 loss to the Jets also threw four touchdowns. Uh, and then the right. last last stat, uh, I cheated on this one a bit, but that's fine because cheating is cool. Uh, Mahomes had one sack for zero yards yesterday, which I say tis not a sack if you do not lose the yards. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Smith, 81 games with the Chiefs, seven games where he had, where he was sacked zero times. And I believe that is a skill. I mean, it's basically the exact same offensive line. I think Alex Smith was very prone to taking sacks, and I think some, it's something that Mahomes is going to be much better at. So, yeah, only seven games from Alex Smith in his career where he took zero, zero sacks. And that okay. completes my deep dive comparing Patty Mahomes' first game to Alex Smith's career with the Chiefs. All right, so my Mahomes deep dive. Um, this was this was kind of like brought on by uh, our our guy Joe Dice at Pulse of the Chiefs. So he was tweeting a couple nights ago, and he was asking why there's a narrative about Mahomes turning the ball over a ton. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, Texas Tech throws the ball so many times, so this has to be like a volume thing. So I go through and I look at the numbers. And basically what I'm going to present are Pat Mahomes' uh, interception numbers uh, while in college. I'm not taking any pro numbers into account here. Then this is basically just trying to do a projection and based uh, against other quarterbacks in the NFL so we can just try to see where he lands, right? So at Tech, Mahomes averaged an interception every 46 and a half passing attempts. And he had just under an interception a game. He had 29 picks in 32 games. Um, I mean, at least on the surface, like that doesn't sound very good, right? I don't know. Well, so the guys that to me, I think Mahomes has been kind of compared to fairly often are Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, and Jay Cutler. 
Well, so Aaron Rodgers, let's keep in mind, Mahomes uh, threw a pick at Texas Tech every 46.5 attempts. Aaron Rodgers, every 62.75 attempts with the Packers. And so he only has thrown 78 interceptions in 149 games. Brett Favre, (laughs) dude, this is unbelievable. Brett Favre uh, threw an interception every 30 attempts, and he threw 336 interceptions in 302 games. NFL's all-time leader, I believe. Yes, he is. Um, Jay Cutler threw an interception every 31 attempts and had 160 interceptions in 153 games. Um, I mean, at least those numbers, like it shows us a couple of things. Number one, Aaron Rodgers might be as good as they say. And Mahomes in college took the ball. He took care of the ball significantly better than guys like Favre and Cutler, the other like gunslingers. But then you have to really try to think about like the level of competition, right? Um, now, the other thing that to me, uh, I, I think that you, you have to try to take into account is that like, these projections are specifically about 2018 because it's his first full year as a starter. So um, if you look at Aaron Rodgers, he only eclipsed 10 interceptions twice, and both times it was in his first three seasons. He only averages about eight interceptions per year for his career. Um, so that's you know presuming that Mahomes will hopefully like get better as time goes on, right? Well... A little more context for other quarterbacks in the NFL. So Russell Wilson, he throws a pick every 51 attempts. He has 56 interceptions in 96 career games. Matt Stafford throws one every 41 attempts. Kirk Cousins every 38 attempts. Big Ben every 37. Cam Newton every 36 attempts. Um, Alex Smith, for his career, throws an interception every 48 attempts. But since Jim Harbaugh took over as his coach in 2011, so basically under Harbaugh and Andy Reid, he's only thrown an interception every 72 attempts. Wow. Um, I mean, I guess I look at this and I say it's not unreasonable to assume that Mahomes' turnover numbers get worse at the NFL level. But the question is, like, how much worse would they get from where his numbers were at Texas Tech, where he basically averaged to pick a game or every 47 attempts? Um And I guess number two is, will it matter? So, like, of the guys that I mentioned that have Super Bowl rings, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson have really good numbers, but Favre and Roethlisberger have terrible numbers, at least in comparison. So you're seeing guys, like, on both ends of the spectrum that are winning championships. Uh, So I don't don't know if it matters how much he turns the ball over. But that's that's my deep dive. Nice. (laughs) That was my my first – ever i think my that's my first deep dive the first time man i remember my first time (laughs) i thought it was really interesting after looking at it that like throwing an interception a game i think that people will look at that and say that he's he might be like turnover prone in some way right but i mean to see that a guy like aaron Rodgers is only throwing an interception every 63 passes and a guy like, you know, Big Ben is throwing an interception every 37 passes, and both of those guys are going into the Hall of Fame, and both of them in wood championships. Like, there's no one way to skin a cat. 
Is that right? Is that how I said it? Who the hell would skin a cat? I don't know, but that's what that's that's the saying. Hmm. Well, Interesting. That's that's my deep dive. Nice. I could have sworn Jay Cutler threw a pick every every three attempts. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people were really concerned about the way that the defense played on Sunday. Like, what's your threat level at right now? Are you, do you um, good, better? What? I would say they were about what I expected. Uh, I mean, D Ford, I think, gave them a boost. I thought Chris Jones really looked good in like the first half, but I think, I mean, the, the deal with Chris Jones, he kind of is he's inconsistent. I think is is his story throughout his career because like at times he just seems dominant, and then you know the second half, just like where the hell was he? Um, so you need as many weapons as you can r- rushing the passer. Um, so I thought they looked okay there. I thought Nelson looked okay. Each of the secondary guys looked okay, and they but they each had like one big blunder. Like Nelson was was caught running the wrong way, oddly on a on a deep pass. Uh, Ron Parker gave up that deep one. Skandrick got <laughs> completely roasted off the line, and then even Fuller got roasted off the line by Keaton Allen. I mean, I think Keaton Allen will do that to uh, a few different corners this year. Uh, as a whole, I would say it's about what I expected. I, I think uh, they're not going to be great, and I think it will be the thing that kind of holds us back from being you know, a championship contender this year because uh, I just think good teams will kind of be able to pick them apart. Um, but I think they're good enough to get us to the playoffs. Like They're not, they're not bad enough to sink this season. They're not that bad. Uh, so I would, you know, I, was, I thought they were pretty good. Pretty good. So what you're telling everyone is that we all need to just start mentally preparing now for the team to go 13 and three and have home field advantage in the playoffs and then lose a game at home in which our opponent doesn't have to punt. I mean, look, do I have to, do I have to tell people to, to get ready for that? I mean, we're chiefs fans. We should kind of be <laughs> expecting that by now. Like, like what the hell have you been doing the last 20 years? If you're not ready for that, like nobody is more ready for that than we are. I guess that's, that's very true. It's a good point. <laughs> we are all, Perfectly prepared for another no punt game, apparently. But can I, can I just say Sunday was a prototypical Andy Reid game. Uh, and when we were doing the show on Friday, I mean, if anyone happened to listen to that, I kind of came in and was saying at the beginning, I think I might have said, uh, and I was definitely thinking it and definitely had it in my notes, the Chargers were going to win that game. Uh, one thing I was steadfast in is the winner of that game is going to win the AFC West. And I do believe the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West now. But as that show went on, like, I I feel like I didn't have enough time to really think about it. And then sitting there for those two hours and just talking about the game and then really just ultimately thinking it's Andy Reid going against Anthony Lynn. Like, we have such a huge advantage there. Like, I I just felt very confident. And that confidence just kind of carried over into Sunday where I was confident before kickoff, you know, we had the big punt return. I was obviously confident then. Like, I never once entertained the idea of losing, even though, you know, we're three-and-a-half-point underdogs. I think that, like, so one of one of my main takeaways from the game was that despite the fact that Rivers ended up putting up really great numbers, I mean, if you look at it, like uh, – the Chiefs had 360 yards of offense, basically, 
And the Chargers had almost 200 more yards than that. I mean, they had 540. And, and like, the Chiefs were plus two in turnovers, so it wasn't like the Chargers should be getting, you know, a bunch of other opportunities. Um, and really, time of possession wasn't just, like, like completely out of whack. Um, I just despite the fact that the chiefs pretty much just like went into a shell in the fourth quarter. Um, I still like, I couldn't, there wasn't like a person that I could pick out on the defense that like, this is the guy that was getting picked on all day. Like, was there a player on defense that was like the whipping boy from Sunday for you? No, I mean, most of those yards are, I mean, to the running backs. So I guess, I mean, it would be the inside linebackers, I guess, if you wanted to say that. But, I mean, 100, 100 of those yards were garbage yards. So, no, I think it was pretty spread around. Uh, I do remember Keenan Allen only had two catches for, you know, 14 yards or something at halftime. Right. Uh, and I thought that was kind of interesting. But then he got he even got going in the second half. I mean, I, I blame the Chargers coaching staff for that. Like, why weren't they throwing the ball to Keenan Allen in the first half? We don't have anybody that can cover him. So I don't I don't know why he wasn't more prominently involved from the very beginning. And I don't uh, go ahead, sorry. No, I mean that's just another reason why you know I think Anthony Lynn's a terrible coach, and I don't think he'll be the Chargers coach in 2019. Yeah, man, I guess I just like I'm I'm stuck in this weird spot because I really like I really don't think that Bob Sutton is. The, the best way for me to bottom line it on Bob Sutton is like, I don't know if you win a championship with Bob Sutton as your defensive coordinator. And yeah. so like, I I'm in this weird place of like, kind of just not wanting them to play well, because I feel like unless the defense is just really bad all year long, I think they're going to bring him back anyway. And, and to be honest, like I almost feel like it's a little bit naive of us to assume that, Instead of getting rid of Bob Sutton, they said, oh, well, we're going to turn over all the personnel because Bob didn't feel like he had the horses to get this done last year and that that was only going to last for one season, not assume like we should all assume that like, oh, well, you're not going to change the entire defense over in one offseason and get the kind of results that you want. So like Bob clearly deserves another chance at this again, like. I'm I'm only partially joking when I say I want Eric Berry to be the defensive coordinator in 2019. I will talk about that throughout the year, and it's primarily because I think that it's going to be the best way to use him because I don't think he's going to be as useful as we want him to be on the field. But I also don't want to be paying a defensive coordinator like a top five defensive player in the NFL. So uh, that's going to be challenging. But I guess I just like – like what – I, I'm in this place of like, I think that the defense is going to struggle at the beginning of the year, but they're going to get better, but I don't want them to get better. And that's a really tough place to be as a fan because I just, I really, I don't know. I don't think we can succeed with Bob Sutton as the defensive coordinator. I just don't think we can do it. Well, I think we can succeed, but I think, I think your point is we can't win the big prize. I'm kind of with you, man. I, 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 can he ever put together a game plan, you know, to like beat the Patriots in the playoffs kind of thing? Because that's that's what it's going to be for the next, you know, until Brady retires, which could be, you know, never. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's going to face the best teams of the playoffs and he's going to have to be able to put together a game or he's going to have to 
you know, the biggest thing, I guess, is adjust to what the game plan is that that team comes in with. Because, I mean, that's his biggest problem, yeah. I feel like, is, I mean, once he has a game plan that works going into a game, it's like, okay, cool. And, and, and you know, once he sees an opponent over and over, you know, like these division foes, and he kind of learns their tendencies and he's, and he's good at that. But if, if an opponent comes out and kind of gives it to us, I just have zero faith that he's going to be able to make adjustments. And I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with, with a defensive coordinator that won't be able to make adjustments. And what you need for your campaign is, is you know, like a suck for luck kind of campaign. You need to pick out a defensive coordinator and then, and then come up with a with something that rhymes for him. So <laughs> with yards, yards for nards. <laughs> well, okay. So I think that like the number one argument that I think most Sutton supporters would have is the way that he's performed in the division. And then like the sub argument is that he has been able to slow down some of what I think what people consider like the top offenses in the NFL and they're going to point to a home game against Pittsburgh in the playoffs where we didn't give up a touchdown and yet we lost. Um, they're going to point to the way that the Chiefs have been able to I, – it's so weird that we've been able to like completely destroy the Patriots the last two times we've played them in the regular season, but the playoffs are a different animal, right? Uh, and, and to me, it's like – Maybe I think what I've realized as we've been verbally processing this Bob Sutton narrative is that unless you win the Lombardi trophy, you're always going to be picking apart the reasons that you lost. And like my choice, you know, be it correct or incorrect, is that I don't think that Bob Sutton is a championship caliber coach. And I do believe that Andy Reid is. And I, I know that there are plenty of people that disagree with that. I think that maybe the majority of fans would probably say that they'd rather have a new defensive coordinator than the guy that we have had. I don't, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess it's just like, think about it this way. Um, there's always going to be different arguments that can be made. It's kind of like I was talking about with Sammy Watkins, right? Like, I can put together a really compelling argument as to why Sammy Watkins has all of his best football in front of him. Well, you can make a really compelling argument for Bob Sutton being, I think at the very least, like a top half of the league defensive coordinator. But as you, I, I mean, you know who he is, you know who he is, right? I don't. Is he? No, I don't. He's Alex Smith. I mean, we're just having Alex Smith debates. He's good, but not great. Yeah, he's in the top half of defensive coordinators, but I don't think he can get, win the big one. Like, Bob Sutton is Alex Smith. I think, and, you know, this is maybe just one too many deep dives talking. I think I've, <laughs> I think I've actually made that comparison on this program nope. before. No, no way. No way. <laughs> I mean, it, it like it's it's true because it. I think there's as you said, um, you know, really really perfectly on Friday. It's just like it depends on the metric that you use in order to look at Sutton to say that he's he's good or he's not. 
you know, like if, especially if you want to look at like that Pittsburgh game, I walked away from that game more mad at Alex Smith than anything, but I can also see anybody that was trying to blame Bob Sutton saying, well, you could never get Pittsburgh off the field. You got them off the field to prevent them from scoring touchdowns, but they did whatever they want and they chewed up the clock all game long. Like, you know, I, and, and, you know, you can do the same thing in that Colts playoff game where like, I'm wanted to clearly blame the defense and the injuries. And, and I think maybe just like chiefs, God chiefs history, but you know, a lot of people are going to, you know, be able to point fingers and say, well, how can the offense go out and score all these points and then not be able to really offer you much when it really mattered? You got to get one first down and you can't, and you're not helping out your defense. Um, well, maybe, maybe the hope here is that you couldn't do it with both Alex Smith and Bob Sutton being good, but not great. But you can do it if Patty Mahomes is great and Bob Sutton is just good. I mean, to be honest, like it, it can just fall into that argument because as we've talked about, like, Great quarterbacks have never let, you know, roster flaws stand in the way of winning a championship. Um, I, I don't I don't think that there's ever been like a perfect collection of talent. And the closest thing that we saw to that was the undefeated Patriots losing to Eli Manning and the Giants. I mean, there isn't a perfect roster. There isn't a perfect coaching staff. And the great equalizer in the NFL is having like that true elite franchise quarterback. And there are exceptions to that because you've seen really historic defenses like the 85 Bears or the, you know, the, the Ravens defense or the, the Buccaneers defense. You've seen teams be able to do it differently. But like we all know that the major correlation is having a quarterback that can get it done. And I honestly don't even know if I could name the defensive coordinators for any of those three defenses that were the, the great defenses in NFL history. Marvin Lewis. Was he the defensive coordinator for the Ravens? Yeah. But he also had like Rex. Wait, who were the other ones? Who were the other ones? The Bears? Yeah, I mean. Buddy Ryan. Was it really? Yeah. Well. So you being able to name those guys is is not like totally destroying my point. I'm just saying like the quarterbacks are the ones that are ultimately going to get the glory because they're the ones that matter the most. And frankly, I think if Pat Mahomes wins a bunch of championships, I don't care if it's Bob Sutton or Greg Robinson or Vince Lombardi running the defense. Like it doesn't matter. I'm going to be looking at Patrick Mahomes most likely, mm. right? Because the change mm. that ended up making it happen instead of, oh, well, the defense did it. So do you think we're a championship contender this year, Oracle Ryan? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. No. Um, well, I tell you what'll, what'll make us one is winning at Pittsburgh. Um, at, least, at least our perspective and the national media will be hyping up, us up as one. We will definitely be on the radar. Uh, yeah. I mean, there will be excuses because, I mean, unless Le'Veon Bell plays on Sunday, which I don't see a scenario that he does. Um, 
you know, they're going to say that the team's incomplete and people are going to talk about all the distractions that have happened because of Le'Veon Bell and so on and so forth. And I mean, to be honest, like I, I tweeted out shortly before we started that uh, Simmons and Sal had had Pittsburgh listed at minus five. I mean, Pittsburgh just hmm. tied the Browns. And they're a five point favorite at home. I don't know anything about sports betting, but like, I almost feel a little bit disrespected being a five point underdog going into Pittsburgh when they don't have Le'Veon Bell and they just played five quarters to try to beat the Browns. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you, but this is what the Steelers do. I mean, they're, they're the last couple of years, I mean, they've been a bad team on the road. Uh, and then they kind of come home and respond, and they respond, you know, with big wins most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's what they've been over the years. And I think that's what people are expecting on Sunday. And I don't think they're getting counted down that much for Le'Veon just because James Conner showed he could do a lot. I mean, he had like 190 total yards or something. Yeah, yeah. So I think people are taking them pretty seriously right now. And with the AFC right now, I mean, you're still just looking at you got New England and then, you know, you think Pittsburgh next and then you don't know who else. I mean, people wanted to hype up the Chargers. They didn't look great. People want to hype up the Texans. They didn't look great. I mean, the Jaguars look good, I guess. But, you know, the AFC is has few few and mm-hmm. far good teams. I So the Chiefs gave up 123 rushing yards on Sunday, and I think it was like pretty much 80 for Melvin Gordon and another 40 for Eckler. Um, Started out really strong, though. I'm, I'm wondering after getting a week under their belt um, and and kind of knowing, I think maybe, a, I don't know. I, it's not that we don't know what to expect from the Chargers. We play them twice every year. Um, Connor is like very much a downhill runner, is he not? Like I thought he's kind of a bruiser. Uh, I think he runs on an even playing field like most uh, of the NFL players. Okay. I don't know. I'm just thinking like, <laughs> that's great. Really good. I, I think he's an even playing field. Center. I, don't like see, I don't see hills out there on any field. Maybe like the uh, Houston Astros center field. There's a, there's a hill out there. He's a downfield center fielder. I'm, I've, I'm saying that like, I think that James Conner like does most of his damage between the tackles. And so like, I don't think that he's, at least known as being particularly shifty or anything. So like that vaunted front seven is going to have to have a pretty big day. Um, I'll be interested to see what the, the snap count looks like if Pittsburgh starts running at D Ford and he's not able to hold up like what they try to throw at that. If they decide that they're going to start like really splitting snaps between obvious passing and running situations between speaks and Ford. Um, yeah, shit, at this point, I'm, I'm just throwing Ford out there and letting him roll with, with how good he looked, uh, or at least, you know, decent to, to pretty good against the, the run on Sunday. Uh, I just, man, if we win the game on Sunday, Pittsburgh's kind of our nemesis at this point. I mean, they've kind of got our number. I mean, just like we got the Chargers number at this point, so... You know, you break that hold that they have on you. Uh, you start 2-0 and in this 
you know, vaunted opening six games where both you and I were kind of thinking like we might be two and four after these first six and we wouldn't be that upset about it. Like it's that tough of an opening first six games. And if we start out two and oh and and beat the Steelers in their house, beat the Chargers in uh, kind of their house. It was our home. Uh, it's fine. It was ours. I mean, it's really just announcing our presence. And I think we'll be taking very seriously if we come away with a win on Sunday. Yeah, and I think that at least, and I'm I'm not just trying to to ruin everybody's fun, but I think that people will start to look at the team a lot differently, um, with good reason. But I still that to me, honestly, I don't think that it's going to change a whole lot of what I expect to see. Um, I, beating the Chargers was always a coin flip for me. Um, I've just kind of assumed that we were going to lose at Pittsburgh. But when I look at like the rest of this stretch, even if we, you know, start two and zero, I still think that it's a coin flip, how we play at Denver. I still think that Jacksonville is going to be one of the toughest tests that this team gets all year long, just because of the way that they're built and the way they like to play. I doubt I'll pick us to go into new England and win. I mean, I, I think that there's going to be a really high variance of results because we have a young quarterback and because we have a defense that in, in many ways is in flux. And so I do think that especially like if, especially if they win Sunday, there's going to be an adjustment and people are going to be like, Holy crap. You know, all the, all the team, all the, the talking heads that pick the Chiefs to be, you know, win the Super Bowl or like lose it to the Rams are going to feel very justified, but the Chiefs are going to go on a slide too. Like it's just. Yeah, yeah it'll just, I think the, uh, the national media will explode and everyone here will just be like, man, it feels kind of like 2017 here. Maybe we should slow right. down a bit and just wait until something goes wrong. Yeah, because I mean, it's. It's don't get me wrong. It's gonna feel fantastic to be two and zero after having beaten the Steelers, but I don't think it's gonna change my confidence a whole lot, to be honest. Oh man, it's gonna change mine. If we beat the Steelers, I am all the way fucking in. We're winning the Super Bowl if we beat the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you heard it here first. The Chiefs are winning the division. And if they beat the Steelers on Sunday, they are the Super Bowl champions. You can just give them the trophy. It's over. The season's over. We'll- and they have the number one quarterback asset in the NFL. Yep, there you- yep, that too. That too. Hey, I think we did good. So the, the only other thing that I have that I wanted to – well, I have, I have two things, but one of them is mainly just a one-line joke. Um, so – I saw. Did you hear Andy Reid's quote today about how you have to play Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he says we'll go play aggressive football. When you play Pittsburgh, that's how you have to play. You have to be ready for a fist fight. Um, and and I saw people kind of talking about like what what a fist fight means, whether that's in Andy Reid's terminology or Patrick Mahomes' terminology or what, but like. I think a lot of people look at fist fight and especially in terms of how it would relate to this team. And it's like, they're thinking about it in an old school fashion that you have to go into Pittsburgh and it's going to be smash mouth football. And like, 
that it's it's automatically like a Steelers Ravens game instead of a Steelers Chiefs game. Um, I guess my question is like if the Chiefs were preparing for a fist fight on the field with Pittsburgh, like who's the player on this team that you think is most likely to like get out there and scrap? Like I don't like like actually get in a fight. I mean, I don't think that we have a guy that is like has the I don't know, the mentality. And this is where I think like some of the local media has talked about. It. And I mean, we honestly I think that we've talked about it since 2012 that the defense doesn't have an identity and that we don't have like like that that guy, that tone setter on defense. And maybe the closest thing that we've had is Eric Berry. But like I don't I, even if it was a guy on offense, like maybe it's Travis Kelsey. But like, I, I don't know, like, is there a guy on this team that like you think if the Chiefs like we have to go into Pittsburgh and we really have to like assert our dominance and authority? Like, who's the guy that you would expect on the team to like really lead that charge? Justin Houston. OK, I go with him. Just I think he's, you know, as strong as a bull, uh, I think. Game four. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's just a rock solid dude. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to mess with Justin Houston. And I mean, he can he can bring the attitude sometimes. I don't know if we always see it from him, but I think he can get pretty rough out there. And I think Hitchens is the other one. I think. Uh, I mean, he was the one that was laying the lumber out there on Sunday, and he seems to kind of have some uh, some of that in his game. So I'd I'd look at those two. Mm-hmm. I was thinking Eric Bieniemy <laughs> against uh, against uh, Joey Porter. I don't know. Just just most likely person to want to get in a fight on Sunday. I right? like how Joey Joey Porter came out on the field that one uh, Steelers Bengals game. And didn't he like not get in trouble, but a bunch of players did? Yeah. Well, he was like yelling at Vontez Perfect, and something happened. I don't know. Oh. Okay. Um. I I would be remiss if I didn't mention your uh your production for Sunday that Tyreek Hill was going to go for 250 plus. And then he did sort of mm. because Chief's of that. Oracle. Yeah. Look at your C it's <laughs> we're both hot. Yeah. The intro hours got it right now. That was awesome. Oh, we definitely did not spend enough time talking Tyreek. He is just absolutely insane. Like I just seeing him out there taking the punt return. It's just like, you don't even think about it all preseason and then all of a sudden you see him out there in the punt return like you know he might take this one to the house that's that's that could easily happen here and then boom there he goes yeah yeah i just, mean i can't i can't believe how fun he is to watch just uh just a special player like like even coming up with comparisons for him in the league it's just like i mean i saw carrington have like a uh, uh percy harvin without ever getting injured and that kind of is Although Tyreek's already a better receiver than Percy Harvin ever was. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I just can't think of like a single comparison for him in league history, which is just awesome to have on your team and, and be able to watch all the time. So I, I'm going to present this situation to you. I don't know if you listened to the radio at all today. Um, Therese did a full hour on 610 at one o'clock today. Um, and what is the cool part about it is that I guess Therese is going to have what's called the Therese Paler show on 610 this year. And it's like Mondays at 6 PM or something. And I'm sure that they'll schedule that differently. Like when the chiefs have a Monday night game or whatever, but 
it sounds like Therese is going to do one hour on 610 every week during the year. And to me, that's Therese is doing a chief show. Um, I don't think that you're going to get a whole lot of national talk from Therese when he's doing an hour of Kansas City Radio. Um, anyway, back to the, the point. Therese brought up that this offseason, after this season, the Chiefs have a pretty big decision that they have to make on who they're going to pay um, because Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones will both have one year remaining on their contracts. Um, I mean, I think that you also have to include Kendall Fuller in that group because to me, I think that like they, they swapped out Kendall Fuller for Peters because they felt like they could commit to Fuller long-term. Um, well, so here's here's something that I don't know. I guess I'd I'd like to hear from you. Therese basically said that the Chiefs have to pay one or the other, but not both, of Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill. And I don't know if that means that they can't afford to, or if he was talking about basically like you have to pay one of these guys so you can use the franchise tag on the other one. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that means because yeah, they could easily pay both. Uh, he must be talking about the franchise tag. I have no idea. Well, and that, but I choose Tyreek. You so to me, like, it, it's obviously very tricky because of. I mean, we've we've talked about this before. I think uh, people obviously recognize that the Sammy Watkins contract complicates the negotiations for Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill is. I think will very clearly be the number one wide receiver on this team. And it's like, you're the guy that plays opposite the field from him has this much money. Like you got to make the inflation pretty significant. But I mean, I, Ron Hughley on 610 today, who was talking with Therese during that conversation, he said that Tyreek was going to get more than Odell Beckham. I mean, could you see that? I mean, it's just inflation. Yeah. Like it, it, it makes it makes sense to me, and I guess like if that's what it's going to be, and you're trying to like get to somebody a year early, quote unquote, I think that Tyreek is going to be beyond the signing a guy a year early conversation, to where the Chiefs would maybe benefit from just trying to sign Chris Jones long term, and if they're planning on franchising somebody, franchising Tyreek. Uh, I have no idea. That is so far beyond my radar right now. Okay. Well, sorry. Didn't, didn't mean to ruin it. I was just, uh, just something that I was thinking about because Therese had talked about it. I just, I, I'm, I'm always looking ahead. Um, especially considering the fact that like, I, I don't think that the chiefs are a true contender this year. And we've had so much focus on 2019 that like, I feel like I'm constantly kind of churning the roster in my head and trying to figure out what they're going to do and like who's going to be here and how they're going to be able to use what they have. Well, all those guys will be here in 2019. Yeah. I can okay. assure you. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Incompletrius Harris back this week. Should we fix the Chiefs yeah. need to cut? Do you want to do that? No? Okay. No. I don't know. I don't even know the bottom of the run. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's not an offensive lineman, come on. Harris is a glorified offensive <laughs> lineman at this point. Is he? Is he a good blocker? I don't. I don't know. That's one of the reasons that they say that he's here, and and he's core four special teamer. Mm. That's it. 
you got any 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 final thoughts today, Dirk? Um, no, I'm good. Okay. Well, oh wait, wait, no, I do got one. Okay. That dude who fumbled that punt return, JJ Jones. Did you know he got charged for two fumbles on that same play because he because he oh, muffed the punt yeah. and then picked it up and then fumbled again? Two fumbles on the official stat sheet. Two fumbles. Yep. yep. Take that, JJ Jones. Wow. That's uh, is that a first? So if someone like, uh, I think that's got to be a. I I love it, but I think that's got to be corrected. If I'm JJ, no, I'm, no, I'm contacting the league office and saying, "Hey, man, I never had possession of the ball the first time." <laughs> like, I want to tweet NFL stats and info or something. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. And <laughs> like tweet some weird stuff all the time. <laughs> it's they they stay tweeting weird stuff. All right, folks. Well, this has been Amateur Hour. I am Ryan Scott Hall. He is his darkness. If you haven't yet listened to our uh, time that we got to spend over on ESPN Kansas City on Friday. You can find that on our podcast feed. I would think at the very least you'd want to listen to the first hour where we got to talk big picture stuff with our guy, Nick Wright. Um, I still think there's going to be some valuable stuff that you'd get to hear in the second hour, but that was more like Chargers game type of stuff. Um, And this has been Amateur Hour, and this is the Wu-Tang Clan. Hey. It is. And this this is that... This is that song that is playing in the background of the uh, the preview for, what is it, mid-90s? That Jonah Hill written and directed movie that's getting ready to come out? Mm. Have you seen the preview for that? It looks so good. No. Oh, but Jonah Hill's a weird-looking fuck. You are such a strong anti-movie trailer guy. Yeah, they suck. They don't, they don't suck. They get you excited. No. Oh. I don't need help getting excited. <laughs> You're inappropriate. Did you? <laughs>